0: Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for the story of your rescuing us, your good news to us, broken sinners that we are. We thank you, Lord, for buying us, redeeming us with your blood, um, for giving us hope for eternity and and also hope for this life as well. And so we ask now, let the light of your countenance, the light of the hope that we have in you, shine as we discuss and learn about fairy tales and just what it is about them that captures our imaginations and our hearts and so capture our imaginations and our hearts again for your gospel and we ask this in your name lord jesus christ amen okay so in old english oh here we go i knew if i prayed they'd they come oh, yeah. in come on in hi guys come on in we were, you're just in time. We're just beginning. So we were waiting for you, but you're all just in time. There's seats over there. There are also seats over here. You can come right across the front too, if you want. Um, that would not be a bad thing. Well, so we just prayed. We're glad that you're here with us. We're talking about, I'm going to do, this is a three week series on fairy tales, looking at what is it about fairy tales, um, that, that captures our minds and our imaginations as um, people of faith. And how do fairy tales prepare us for hearing and understanding the gospel? And so when we look at um, fairy tales themselves, uh, think about that word gospel. Do you know what the word gospel means in English? We have, we know that it's the word for the good news, which in Greek is the euangelion, which is like evangel. That's the word that becomes evangelist in English. But how did we get from something that was like evangelist to the gospel? How does that word come about in English? Well, it has its origins in Old English. And in Old English, the word gospel means literally good story. Because a spell meant a story or a message. So the gospel is a good story. In fact, the gospel is a good message, the best message of all. So how do other stories prepare us to hear the gospel, the good story? Well, we also learned to when we look at C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis has this great quote and he believes, and he writes this in God in the, do- in the Dock. He says, the heart of Christianity is a myth, which is also a fact. It happens at a particular date, in a particular place, followed by definite historical consequences. So what is it about the good news of God in Jesus Christ that is like a fairy tale, and yet how much more wonderful than that it actually happened historically? And that, that truth was one of the things that caused C.S. Lewis to become a Christian. Um, through his conversations with J.R.R. Tolkien, he became a Christian because he realized that this um, wonderful story was in fact true. So the Gospels, according to um, Tolkien, contain a fairy story or a story of a larger kind which embraces all the essence of fairy stories. But this story has entered history in the primary world. The desire and aspiration of subcreation creation has been raised to the fulfillment of creation with a capital C. There is something about the Gospel that is like a fairy tale. But then we have to ask, well, what are fairy tales? What do you think, what would you say are characteristics of fairy tales, if you had to guess? There usually are um, fantastical elements, aren't there? Elves or dwarfs or princesses, but even not just princesses, something beyond the story. Usually there's some kind of magic involved with a witch or a wizard. Um, There might be dragons or other supernatural creatures, but a fairy tale The protagonist in a fairy tale is not someone extraordinary, are they? If you think about it, you might idealize them. You might say, well, I love Snow White, or I love Cinderella, or I love Sleeping Beauty, or I love any one of these other heroes. I'm trying to think of some of the male heroes in some of the male fairy tales. But as you look up to the protagonist in the story, the main character, you um, would realize, when you came down to it, that they are ordinary people Seeking ordinary lives. They're seeking to have um, some basic needs met. And so, a lot of the topics explored in fairy tales are things like relationships, relationships between sisters, for example. Can you think of some good sisters and bad sisters? Very obvious one, right? Cinderella. Good and bad sisters. And so, for a little girl who has sisters, it's really helpful to be able to say, to see Cinderella and realize that she's not the only one who has trouble with her sisters or relationships with parents think about some of the parent figures in fairy tales um, who they are and how they um, make life difficult for their children or for um, the youth in the stories that are like children so fairy tales unlike myths myths have immortal protagonists and myths The gods are the protagonists. Um, So myths have immortal protagonists. And legends have extraordinary protagonists, like a hero. If you think of the old um, heroic legends, think about Beowulf. Did anybody have to read Beowulf in high school? I got out of that somehow. I don't know how I got out of it. But one day maybe I'll read it. Beowulf, or you think of um, the legend of the Holy Grail and Sir Arthur. Right or King Arthur and all of his knights. All of those stories, those are legends because the protagonists are extraordinary. They have incredible um, abilities themselves. Well, fairy tales deal with ordinary characters that deal with everyday life issues. But these everyday life issues of reality are put next to fantasy and magic and they're explored in the same world, which somehow gives us this reason to hope for something beyond ourselves in this world, that there would be something beyond everything we know in this world that could reach in somehow magically from outside of us. And that prepares us to live in a world to recognize that God intervenes from outside of us in our daily lives, that it's possible for God to do that. Okay, so that's what are fairy tales. Well, what do fairy tales do for us? And what do fairy tales do for us, especially when we're young? When I was in New York City and working as an actor or not working as an actor, I was actually (laughs) working waiting tables and nannying. And I took a break from waiting tables because it was too stressful for me. I was literally having dreams where I was serving 50 people in my living room. And my living room in New York was like the size of those two rows of chairs put together. And so I would have these nightmares that I was trying to serve 50 people in my living room. And I would literally wake up thinking, I don't have enough forks. (laughs) But <laughs> well, that was what I was stressed out about. And so I thought, well, I've got to stop doing that. So I stopped waiting tables, and I found a job nannying. I loved children. So I got to spend um, two years with this one little girl from birth until she was two years old when I left New York City. And the kind of books that her mother would put out for her to read were my least favorite kind of books. And I only realized this after about a year of taking care of her every day. The books had, um, they were those DK scholastic books. Do you know which books I'm talking about if you have children? They were the ones that had brightly colored pictures that were like photographs of all sorts of different items. So it would be like book, chair, desk, and it would have a picture of the item and say the word underneath and the whole goal was so that the little tiny child would learn how to say those words and learn how to identify all those things. There were ones for parts of the body, there were ones for things in the kitchen, there were ones for things at school, all sorts of different items. And so this little girl was very smart and she ended up knowing by the time I left when she was two years old, she had been able, she was able to catalog 30 different kinds of birds. I'm not kidding. She was really smart. She'd be like, that's a cardinal, that's a bluebird. That's a blue jay. Literally, she was that good at identifying different kinds of birds. But she didn't have any stories. She didn't have any beautiful stories that sparked her imagination. So she was really smart and she could name all this stuff. But she didn't know how to play. She didn't have um, any way of looking for something beyond herself. So I took it, after that first year when I realized that, I took it as my personal responsibility to read her fun stories, imaginative stories, stories that involved some make-believe. So uh, fairy tales cultivate our imaginations. They help us to believe that the miraculous is possible. Fairy tales also, as I said, they deal with some of these relationships that are very primal where we might have some conflicts in our relationships, in our families growing up. And so sometimes when we see some of the conflict in those types of relationships played out on the big screen, it helps us deal with it emotionally. Um, So there's one classic conflict between mother and daughter, um, which I won't ask any of the women in this room how they feel about their mothers. They probably feel conflicted about their mothers. They probably love them and also wish that maybe they wouldn't do fill in the blank. Um, Well, in this um, one particular clip that I'm going to show, there is a witch, and that's Meryl Streep. This is a clip that I'm going to show you from Into the Woods, which was a movie that came out last year, I think, and Into the Woods was actually a musical that was written in 1986, and what they did was they took all of the fairy tales, or all of the big ones that we really know, and in the first act, they had them all come true, happily ever after, just the way you would imagine. But then in the second act, everything broke down. And the people that thought they were happy weren't actually happy. And the princes weren't actually charming. They were they were not really savory characters. And so the best part about this movie version, I would say, there's this wonderful song between the two prince charmings. And it's hilarious. They have 80s hair that's teased up. And it's really funny. And they're trying to com- compete for who, which one loves their princess more. And they end up looking kind of like jerks and not like real true princess. But this particular clip is from, one of the main characters is this witch, and it's the witch from the story of Rapunzel. Remember the story of Rapunzel? Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your golden hair. She was the girl at the top of the tower. And this witch um, was like her mother, the only mother that she ever knew. And the witch didn't want her to be free, and I'm turning off the lights. And so she kept her there, um, up in this tower. And the reason why she kept her there was because she loved her. She didn't want anything bad to happen to her. But it was a love that was gone awry. It was gone um, gone bad. But one of the things that you see about this is we're going to feel sorry for Meryl Streep on one level, for this witch who loves her daughter too much and does bad things to try to keep her up in this tower. Oops. Uh, wait, maybe not. Okay, let's see sound. This has happened to me before. I'm going to do this. Mm. There we go. Okay. We're going to just listen on my laptop. This has happened to me before. Oh no. This is too bad because it's really good. Okay, just one second. Yeah. Let's turn it off and see if we can get it back on. I heard something. Yeah, I heard something go on. Yeah. This is like my worst nightmare. This uh, No forks, and then also that the, that the technology doesn't work. Okay, let's see. That did. Okay, let's try it again. No. Hey, yeah, do Connor, do you have some ideas? Yeah. Thank you. He's new on the job and we're already making him do stuff like this, right? That's quite helpful. Okay. I wouldn't let you sit down until I knew for sure. Okay. Do you want to check on the, on the, um, Menu on there. Do you know how to do that? Oh no, it wouldn't be on there. It would be on the right. Is it all it didn't play when I that? No. Nope. Oh darn. should be too bad. I'm actually going to ask Katie. Do you mind going and finding Gilcracky? It might be that he can help us with this, and we'll just we won't watch this c- clip. I set it up for you. Darn, you're going to have to just YouTube it and Google mm. it yourself, because mm-hmm. um, we'll just keep going. Oh, you know what? Do headphone port. Yep, that's what it was on. I mean. Yeah, but okay, let's try it again. Let's see. And it is supposed to be. Maybe I have it. Nope, that's right, it's the only line out. Okay, we're not gonna worry too much about it. Well, I have all these clips ready for you, and if we don't get to watch them, it will not be the end of the world. Um, I'll tell you what happened. <laughs> you can sing it for me. I can, no, I can't sing that you trust me, you don't want me to sing it for you. I could do a dance interpretation of it, but I won't no, I'm not gonna do that. Not this morning. But um basically this beautiful girl, her daughter, Rapunzel, wants to leave and she says the world out there is so harsh, so tough. Stay with me, stay with your mother. Have love here. Love um, stay with. Love is here already for you. Why do you need to go out and seek love? And it's that classic tension. Um, you, some of you youth who are here, you probably don't experience that yet. But in a few years, you're going to be ready to leave home. It's going to be hard to say goodbye on some level. And that's really what this particular clip and this particular story within the genre of fairy tale is about. It's about leaving home. Um, so. Fairy tales bring this kind of catharsis, this helpful exploration of emotions and relationships that can bring some kind of healing and recognition of what's going on in our lives. Fairy tales also bring a moral education to us. They train our hearts when we're very young to take sin and evil seriously. And they point to judgment at the last day that there will be a cosmic effect and consequence for sin and evil. And so these fairy tales also condition our hearts to be able to make decisions ethically in a given moment because you can think through, have you ever had to think through and weigh a couple of different options when it wasn't clear what is it right for me to do in this moment? Well, um, having this background or a background in fairy tales can help understand and discern what is right in a given moment so that we're more likely to make the right choice. we have no audio and I'm not sure I I don't know that you can help us with it but I just figured maybe another set of hands that's experienced Uh, thank you I'm just gonna keep teaching while you play with it thank you yeah it's not it's it's oh yeah he'll he'll keep playing with it thank you I'll keep talking that's the problem. I can keep talking with just about anything going on in the background. <laughs> um, one of the other trailers that I was going to show you is the Cinderella trailer. And we already asked how many people have seen Cinderella, the new Cinderella, how it was, it wasn't it amazing how they took the cartoon and made it even better. Um, and they did, they kept a lot of the elements that were there in the cartoon, but they made it even better. Does anybody remember what Cinderella's mother, her real mother, says to her, Oh, Thank you, Gil. i don't know you do not it. Was, that was better than I don't know. I think you did do it. Yeah. Okay. Here, I'll turn off the lights. Yeah. Let's. Sure. It's short. We'll do it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Princesi but wolves and humans too. Stay. Uh, remember how we were talking about that mother, that clinging um, relationship, and she doesn't want her daughter to leave. The acting is really good. I mean, it's Meryl Streep, so you can tell it's really good, but the music for this musical is really fun. It's just really dark, so just know that. Things do not end happily ever after, really, in that musical, so just be careful if you go see it, what you're expecting. Um, Okay, so now back to Cinderella. We're going to watch the... Um, I was about to say but some of you might know, what does Cinderella's mother tell her? Do you remember? Be kind. Um, yeah. Be, uh, what was it? Be kind. And have courage. Have courage and be kind. Have courage and be kind is what she tells her. lovely assistants to keep you company so i'll know as far away as i may be that you'll be safe wouldn't you prefer to eat when all the work is done ella yes did not call, call me that Madam will do cinder wench dirty ella i <laughs> oh, oh, oh. are you all right miss what did they call you never mind what they call me i'm sorry it's not your doing you're yours either on that I hope to see you again, miss. And I, you. Emma, you have more kindness in your little finger than most people possess in their whole body. It was my mother's old dress. It would be an insult to take you to the palace dressed in these old rags. <laughs> you <laughs> shall not go to the ball. <laughs> Excuse me. Why are you crying? Who are you? <laughs> That's, better. That's better. My fairy costume. <laughs> It's really good, it's worth seeing. So you have that, remember those words, have courage and be kind is what Cinderella is told. And a lot of really terrible things happen to Cinderella, right? There's nothing like a fairy tale for helping you to say what is good and what is bad, what is good and what is evil. And that's exactly what fairy tales do in their ancient format is they help us understand good and evil so we can recognize it, so we can discern it. So we can say, I don't want to do that and I do want to do this and that's exactly what the law does for us as Christians and and for non-Christians as well. The law within scripture is um, the parts of the Old Testament and New Testament that show us how to behave, what to do and what not to do. And there is is this sense that in um, scripture and in the world at large, the universe is a just one because God is just. That somehow good is repaid with good and evil is repaid with evil, even though it doesn't seem like it at the time. And so we see that. We see that in the ancient fairy tales. um, But we don't always see it happening as as immediately as it should. We don't always see the good getting what we think they should get. And so we think about that. Think about um, Snow White. Snow White's very good and kind. And what happens to her? She ends up dead, right, or sleeping. Um, because she eats that poisoned apple that the wicked stepmother um, gives to her to eat. Or we think about Sleeping Beauty doesn't do anything wrong. She's good and kind and nice, and she ends up almost dead as well. They're both interesting where it's this something that comes in from outside of the system, this magic of that first kiss that wakes both of them up. And so there's this sense in which justice, cosmic justice, is there and it happens. Um, Just like it says in Scripture in Romans chapter 2, God will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for honor and glory and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, But obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. How is this good news? (laughs) For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. St. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 2 because he's trying to get those who are hearing his, his letter for the first time to realize that every single one of us, whether we live in a big house or we live on the street, whether we're male or female, whether we belong to the United, you know, we're citizens of the United States of America or citizens somewhere else, whether we're good, kind Christians who go to church every Sunday or whether we've never been to church in our lives, every single one of us is not as good as the law demands that we be. Not one of us is good enough under the law. And so even in these fairy tales where we see good and evil juxtaposed, we have this sense that there is retribution for evil. And this is good news for those who are victims of evil. Good news that evil will have an end, that there will be a judgment day at the last day and evil will be judged and evil deeds will be judged. But we can't leave ourselves there and we don't, and fairy tales actually for the most part don't leave us there. And what we see is that there's a modern trend within fairy tales to take it from there almost as though fairy tales have grown up. It's very helpful to see things black and white, and to say this is good and this is evil, so that we can recognize it as we get older. And there is something about babies. Again, I'm going back to babies. Remember, I was a nanny for a while. And does anybody, anybody who's raised a baby, um, there's recent technology that suggests, or recent science, according to science, babies can see when they're very young. Um, and by very young, I mean just a couple of weeks. What can they see? Can they see perfectly the way we can see? I can't see perfectly unless I wear these, and even then I'm pushing it. But they can't see as well as they'd like. They probably can see about as well as I can see without this. But what they do really notice is contrast. Have you heard this? And so a lot of babies' toys are brightly colored, or they'll have black and white, and they can see red very early on as a color. And so having that contrast, that black and white, helps them distinguish colors and learn to be able to see. Just like for us morally, as we're we're venturing out into the world as new adults or young adults, learning black and white, learning good and evil is helpful for us in distinguishing it as we set out in the world. And so this idea of hammering home the law a little bit in fairy tales actually helps us later on. But one of the things that St. Paul tells us about the law and the role of the law is that the law is our guardian until Christ comes that the law itself does not produce the good that it requires. Knowing good and evil doesn't make us do it, does it? Because all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us are tainted by sin in some way. And so what we find is that some of the ways, some of the trends in modern, postmodern fairy tales actually help us as adults to recognize that there are um, no heroes and villains or people might do heroic things, or they might do villainous things, but it's not as black and white in real life to say someone is point blank a hero or a villain. And I remember this when um, in 2011, does anyone remember when there was, um, when it was final that Osama bin Laden had been um, killed? Does everybody know who Osama bin Laden is, 9-11? two towers falling down. And I saw on Facebook that this had happened and one of my friends um, had posted a rah-rah post and I'm just, basically it was like she was saying, ding dong, the witch is dead, right? And I saw that and I I was glad because I felt safer with him no longer able to um, oversee terrorist attacks but the truth is still there that um, he he was a person. He was a human being. He probably had people who really loved him. His mother held him as a baby. He did really awful, horrible things. And he probably also did a couple of good things too, even if we don't know about those good things. And so to um, jump up and down and sing and dance and rejoice um, because someone had died, even if that someone had done very evil things, was not something I could do. And um, so with that, I I, I would say even the most villainous person, real historical person that you could think of, even Adolf Hitler or Osama bin Laden, um, they have probably done at least one good thing, right? They're not pure evil. They have done evil things, but we also, when we're honest, we've done evil things too, even if they're not of that magnitude. And even so, looking inside, we see that we have evil within us. And the evil within us is even more um, subtle than that. We have pride, we have arrogance. We have selfishness residing within us, and it shows up, it comes out in ways, um, whether we're aware of it or not. And so when we look at fairy tales and we look at some of this postmodern movement towards saying not everyone is a hero and not everyone is a villain, there are a couple of different shows that do that. Certainly Maleficent, remember? Um, There's also this one clip from, this is from Into the Woods, and this is Little Red Riding Hood, and you tell me afterwards if you think she's all good. 100% 100% good, not selfish at all, and we'll see. Into the woods, it's time to go. I hate to leave, I have to go. Well. Into the woods, it's time and go. I must begin my journey. Into the woods, and through the trees, to where I am expected now. Into the woods, to grow grandmother's house. I know what's prepared for. Are certain of your way? The way is clear, the light is good. I have no fear, nor no one's good. I don't hate to ask it, but do you have a basket? Yes. Yeah. Don't suppose you're planning on buying any of these. Oh, sh- no. <laughs> stray and delights, right? You might save some of those sweets for granny. Oh my She's a sweet. <laughs> <laughs> was she Was she all good? No. She's a good protagonist. We remember her being all good from the fairy tale, but there she's shown as being not good. Um, there, does anybody know the um, TV show Once Upon a Time? It's on ABC. And did you know it's, it's, um, it's made by Disney, basically. So they're taking a lot of the Disney movies and the Disney's Disney's way of telling the fairy tales and then mixing them up. And in the current season, they've explored this idea of heroes and villains. What makes a hero and what makes a villain? Well, it's what you do. Um, but more than that, what we see as Christians is it's not what we do, but it's what Christ has done for us and who we put our faith and our trust in. And so I'm going to show you one little tiny promo from this current season of Get Once in Upon a in Time. Here. Sunday, evil closes in on her prey. No way. I've waited so long for this moment. But rescue is on the way. And Rumple Stilton a night at your service and villains to our season finale sunday on abc there you see snow white is no longer the good the pure snow white she's actually the villain in this current season there she was throwing a fireball like she was the wicked or the evil queen or a wicked witch um we saw prince charming was not good he was evil in that one and rumplestiltskin was the hero even though in the classic tale He is a villain. So there's this mixing up and this questioning of who is a villain and who is not. And so what we see with that is that all of us have sinned. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. As Paul says in Romans 3, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God has consigned all to disobedience so that he might have mercy upon all. So that's where we go from here. Um, no one is pure villain. No one is pure hero. Even those of us who might think, well, I'm a nice, good person. There is evil lurking in our hearts. And when we admit that, that's when we're able to find mercy in our time of need. There's... Um, The recent movie Maleficent has this moment where Maleficent, remember she's cursed the baby Aurora, and she has this moment where she would like to take it back if possible. She would like to take back what she's done because she's gotten to know Aurora, and she really likes this little girl. And she realizes she was mad at Aurora's father, um, and we find out that sometimes... People do bad things and evil things in part because they've been wronged and they've suffered wrongly. And does that make it okay when they do evil? No, it doesn't. Does it make it okay when we do evil? No, it doesn't. But there is forgiveness and there is mercy available to us. Um, So even as we are like Maleficent, we might want to reverse what we've done. And you can't go back sometimes. But there's a way forward. Here's Aurora lying in bed. There's no going back. Um, As we as human beings have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, we can't get back to the Garden of Eden, can we? We can't get back to the place where we're totally innocent, where there's no sin, where we can undo what's been done. But the way forward is far more marvelous than turning back. Um, Just as Paul said, I'm reading it again, God has consigned all to disobedience so that he might have mercy on all. Mercy is available for us. And if you were to watch this movie, Maleficent, you would see that redemption happens for Maleficent. And it's not through her own actions. She tries to reverse the curse based on her own power, and she's not able to. There's no going back. She can't take it back but the way forward brings redemption and hope for her, and there is forgiveness for her. She repents of what she's done, and forgiveness is available for her, and mercy is available for us as well at the beginning and also all throughout our Christian life. There's one more fairy tale that I want to draw your attention to, and I don't have a cute movie about it, and it's called The Red Shoes by Hans Christian Andersen, who was writing fairy tales in the 19th century, and it's a story about a little orphan girl who was adopted and she was adopted and given these beautiful red shoes partly because her adoptive mother was old enough and blind enough that she didn't realize they were red otherwise she never would have let her wear them and this little girl girl wore those red shoes to church and all she could think about when she was being confirmed were the red shoes all could she could think about when she was receiving communion were those red shoes because she was vain. She thought how beautiful they were. She loved that everybody was watching her walk past in the red shoes. And judgment came upon her. Um, There was this mysterious soldier, and the mysterious soldier sees her shoes and says, oh, those are pretty dancing shoes. And he taps them, and suddenly her feet begin to dance in the shoes. And they dance and dance and dance, and she can't stop dancing and it gets very grim at this point it's not a grim fairy tale it's hans christian anderson but it's still dark the only way she can get her feet to stop dancing is by cutting them off and then the shoes keep on dancing and she has wooden feet and she's able then to go on with her life but she's always remembering those red shoes and the pride and vanity um, and so every time she tries to go to church All she can see are the red shoes dancing in front of her. She tries to go to church to pray and receive communion. And she only sees her vanity right in front of her face. Again and again, she's repented. And she comes back and her sin is still right there in front of her. And she doesn't know what to do. Her heart condemns her. And at that moment, she just falls on her knees and she says, Oh God, help me. And that's what we do in our sin. We fall on our knees and we say, Oh, God, help me. And at that moment in Hans Christian Andersen's story, an angel intervenes. And an angel um, breaks away those red shoes and paves the way for her to come back to church. The angel um, carries, um, it paves that way. She gets back into church, and she's sitting there next to the pastor's wife. And the pastor's wife looks at her and says, It was right of you to come. And she says, it was mercy. The only thing that was able to take her sin away was not her own action, not the judgment. The judgment didn't take away her sin. It was the mercy, that intervention from outside of herself, that angel that came in and made those red shoes go away. And that is what happens for us. As we come to church, we might feel condemned. We might feel under judgment. There's maybe something that we know about, that we know God knows about, that we can't escape from and yet God gives us mercy from outside of ourselves in Jesus Christ. And there's mercy for us at the beginning of our life of faith, and there's mercy for us every day, so that those words in Hebrews from Hebrews chapter 4 are true for us every day of our lives. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for um, the way that um, you have taken your our sin upon you and you took it to the cross and you nailed it there. It is finished. We can approach your throne with, um, with confidence knowing that we are forgiven and we are free. That maleficent though we are, though there's evil in our hearts, um, even though we do good, it does not outweigh. Um, the evil it can't make up for our pride our vanity our selfishness um, our disregard for others and so we confess those things before you and we say oh god help me thank you lord for your mercy for us we receive it again today we receive it tomorrow we receive it the next day and we come with faith to you Thank you for um, stories and the way they point us to you. Continue to draw us ever closer to yourself. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we ask this. Amen.